This is my dad. Um, he means the world to me. He loves God. He loves our family. I just want to uh, just listen to him tonight because I know he has some good things to say and it will change your life. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for tonight and thank you for my dad and please speak through him and uh, give him the words to uh, tell us about Jesus and his son. Lord, I love you so much and I thank you for Blue Haven and what a big impact it has on so many people's lives. Uh, uh, thank you uh, so much for all the many blessings that you give us and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's my son, by the way, and I'm extremely proud of him. I've got another one sitting out there that I'm really proud of, too, and a little girl over here. I don't have to look any further than that to see God's rich blessings in my life. It's been a great two weeks. Am I right? You know, we come up here as teachers, and uh, we're this challenge teaching you guys, and I've always found that I end up, God, working on me a whole lot more than I feel like I've been able to share with you guys. And uh, we have had a fantastic group of, uh, of campers this week, and uh, Krista and I have grown tremendously. Um, I want to talk to you about tonight. First of all, let me say this. I have mightily struggled with putting this down on paper. Um, I started out by talking, uh, by thinking about um, the choices we make and the impact that it has on our lives. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I want to start with... Um, See if I can get my iPad on here. I should have done this a minute ago. I want to talk a little bit about what we've been talking about for the last two weeks. I want you to consider Paul's frame of mind. Um, and I'm going to try to set up a little bit before we really dig into um, talking about the peace of Christ, which is where we're headed tonight. Paul's frame of mind. We have heard multiple times, he said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And I want to share with you a real-world story that I shared with our class um, about a man who's had a tremendous impact on my life. And I watched this man battle through cancer. Um, and some of you, as I share the story uh, over here, even over here, you're going to be able to relate to this, maybe with people that you've seen in your life. This man was a preacher of 25 years. Um, he was the spiritual giant in my life. Uh, this man was my father-in-law. His name was Ralph. And the reason why I bring him up is because when he was at the latter stages of battling cancer um, and had a pretty good idea he wasn't going to make it. 
he talked about joy. And I want to share with you the definition that he used. He did a, he did a, a series at our church um, at the time, and it was called The Wilderness. And he'd been battling cancer for almost three years, and it was a painful battle. And I dare say I saw times where he didn't smile, but I never saw a time that he wasn't joyful. And he defined the word joy in James chapter 1, verse 2. Does everybody know that verse? Anybody spit that out? Consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of all kinds. We know the rest of that verse because it's going to ultimately benefit us, right? But he defined our joy in that passage as a deep-down confidence that God is in control of my life. And I want you to take that and dwell on it for just a second because it's going to play an important role in the rest of our discussion tonight. In that same series, he would talk about people would come up to him and say, I'm praying that you have the faith to get through this. I'm praying that you have the faith to fight this and to beat it. Towards the end of his series, as he studied this this passage and, and, and this mindset of, of Paul's to live as Christ and to die as gain, he said, it's not really the question, do I have the faith to live? But it's, do I have the faith to die? When you think about what he's saying here, I think it really is a close cousin to what Paul is saying here. He's saying, man, I want to I go on. I want to I be with Jesus, but I need to be here. I need to be doing the Lord's work. And so, as we talk about joy... I want you to think about where Paul is while he's writing this letter. And I want you to realize Paul has the deep-down confidence that God's in control of his life. Okay? My fear is... Let me go a different direction. There are a couple of things that I think in our lives that keep us from having that deep-down confidence. I want to talk about those two things. First of all, and they're very closely related, and this is going to be short. I've really got two points that I want to drive home tonight, and I know you're tired. But if you can get this concept, um, I, I think it will greatly benefit uh, you as you leave here tomorrow. Paul is not engaged in sin. Does everybody understand that? He is having a trial because he is following the will of God. I'm afraid the reason why we don't have joy and ultimate peace in our lives is because sometimes we choose sin. We have implored with all of you, if you have sin that has a foothold in your life, if you have an inappropriate relationship at home, if you're looking at inappropriate things on mobile devices or computers, if you're putting those mobile devices over your time with the Lord, if you're putting your friendships in front of your time with the Lord, address that now. There are a ton of people over here 
that have been there and done that. And they want to help you. We talked about in our class. Have a plan. We're real good at owning it, right? We're real good at going, man, I got a problem. But we don't have a plan of action for addressing it. Please, I beg you. I appreciated um, Jared's talk the other night as he sat here at the beginning of the, of the session and he begged you to listen to the words of Paul. Do you remember that? I'm begging you. If there's sin in your life, address it before you leave and have a plan of action for you to get home. Because guess what? If you have sin in your life, you will not have joy and you certainly will not have peace. The second and, and final thought, I, it's sad to say, but it has almost become cliche. We focus too much on sin. You need to be chasing after God. It's not a coincidence that while you're here, that you feel closer to God. We talked about family. We talked about the body. I appreciated so much the sermon on Sunday where we all grabbed hands. Our class and I, we, we sat on the deck and we got in a circle and everybody talked about how much it felt like family. Because this is what you need to be looking for and actually this is what you need to be causing at home. Don't be waiting on somebody else to produce this for you. Go home and make this happen. It feels good. Raise your hand if it felt good to be part of a family the last two weeks. It's not a coincidence. We've been in God's Word multiple times a day. We've prayed. Let me tell you something about this staff over here. I've been coming up here for a lot of years. And we're going to talk about prayer in just a minute. I have never seen a more prayerful bunch. I've been involved in some of those prayers with campers, with staff. Let me tell you, I was nervous as all get out before I got up here. Kevin Killow shared with, with us the other night, about 10 minutes before he talked, his talk came together. Guess what? Mine didn't. And I was nervous. And I'm walking out here by myself, and Chad Montandon grabs me and hugs me and prays and reminds me it's not about me. I prayed fervently, and I know men have prayed fervently for God to speak through me tonight. It's got very little to do with me. It's not a coincidence. So let's talk about two things, and we shared this with our class. Two things that if you don't make a plan for when you leave here, you will not have joy and you will not have peace. I guarantee it. Number one, get into God's Word. I shared with our class, if I spent even two weeks not Krista, my wife, much less a month, three months, six months, we would have issues with our relationship, right? Get into God's Word. Is that how, that's how He talks to you. And guys, we all underestimate the power of prayer. And I have seen it working mightily in this group over here of permanent staff. 
get into God's Word and pray to Him. That's the only way you're going to have a relationship. There's no magic pill. I want you to know that this group of people that have spent the last two weeks and much more time before that, we love you all. We started class, and we do this every time we teach. It's a beautiful thing, the love of Christ. I can stand up here, and there's some of you I haven't met, and I can tell you I love you with all my heart. And I can tell you that these people over here love you with all of your heart, with all of their hearts, not with your hearts, their hearts. That would be weird. So I implore you. If you don't know what to do when you get home, ask somebody. But it's not rocket science. If you want a relationship with someone, you've got to talk to them and you've got to let them talk to you. And that's a simple message. Is that complicated? I know it's become cliche, but you've got to get in God's Word in order to know what you need to be doing with your life and you've got to pray about it. Don't let Yourself, go home and fall into the same rut that you were in before you were here. In summary, Paul had joy because he had a deep down confidence that God was in control of his life. And ultimately, that gave him the peace that if he died right there in that prison, he was okay with that. We told our class today, if I told you that we were all going to die in a year, How different would your life look? We don't know when that time is going to be. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, and I'm not trying to scare anybody by any means. I'm going to tell you one more story, and I want you to know that it's urgent. Okay? When you look at the scriptures, it doesn't say, hey, a couple of years, start serving God then. Start giving your life to God then. Blake shared a story um, that we've talked about, and that sign up on uh, the stage says, Remember the Creator in the days of your youth. I think in the past we've used that to slap you guys around a little bit, and that's not what it's for. Let me tell you what, that verse is as much to me and older people sitting over here, as we've been called so lovingly several times this week. Um... That is just as much for us. And what it means is, I'm going to tell you a quick story, and I'm going to, and I'm going to try to drive a point home of what that means. My mom uh, got very sick when I was in junior high. She had a very rare case. She got Alzheimer's when she was my age. I was about Bo's age, who just stood up here and prayed, prayed for me. And... What that verse is talking about, my mom can't praise God anymore. Her mind is gone. She's lying in an assisted living facility. She lies in a bed all day. You don't know what's in store for you. And what that verse means is, is now's the time. While you still have your health, while you still have your mind, while you still have the ability, praise God and serve Him with your life now. 
If you look at the spirit of the scriptures, it doesn't say wait around. It says now's the time. Okay? That's all I've got for you. I love you guys. Address the sin in your life tonight before you leave. And start living for God. Now's the time. Thank you.